Preacher, if it's all right, I'll just use this microphone here, if that's okay. I want you to take your Bibles just just a couple of hours and go to Ephesians chapter number 6. I had something else on my heart that I thought I was supposed to preach, but I think this is the direction the Lord wants us to go. Preacher, thank you for letting us come be a part of the services. We love this church. Love you. Love you, people. Good to see some, I used to say old faces, but I thought a lady was going to throat punch me in the back one night. Familiar faces is what I mean, and then get to see some new faces, people that we're going to live forever with, and uh, we sure do appreciate the opportunity to get to come and be with you. And uh, Ephesians chapter number 6, when I, it's probably been a year, year and a half ago now, we were at a uh, camp meeting up in Lebanon, Ohio, Fellowship Baptist Church, Fellowship Track League, the Bread of Life camp meeting, and that church is is just like this from this this end to this row right here it's just two sections in that building and that camp meeting preacher it's usually packed out and if you get there late you have to sit in the back most baptist churches you get there late they pull you down to the front because people fight over the back seats but in this meeting everybody wants to sit on the front and and once you get in your spot so to speak that's where you are the whole week. That's where you're going to sit just about the whole meeting because you don't dare move a Baptist person's Bible. They will cut you off at the knees, I'm telling you. So you're about stuck. And, and I travel with four females just about every day of my life, and we are late just about all the time. I have to apologize. Sorry for being late. Sorry for being late. This morning we were late, but it was GPS's fault. It wasn't the lady's fault. It was GPS's fault. And so... From my vantage point, sitting about three-quarters of the way back in this meeting, if you looked over whoever was standing in the pulpit over their left shoulder from, from where I was sitting, there was a banner kind of like that banner is right there, just right over the left shoulder, and it had Ephesians chapter number 5, verse number 16 on it. The verse says, redeeming the time because the days are evil. And I tried to pay attention to the singing, tried to pay attention to the preaching, whatever was going on. But my eye, every time I looked up at the song leader, every time I looked up to whoever was singing, every time I looked up to whoever was preaching, my eye caught that banner. They called on me to preach Wednesday morning, Wednesday night. I don't remember, preacher. And I had something that I thought I was supposed to preach. The Lord, I thought the Lord had laid it on my heart but while I was walking down the aisle, three-quarters of the way back from the church, God kept reminding me, Ephesians chapter number 5, verse number 16. And I just had to point out to God, yeah, God, it's right there on that banner. I've seen it all week. I've looked at it all week. And he said, that's what I want you to preach. And I didn't have an outline for Ephesians chapter number 5 and, and you cannot argue with God you can try to argue with God but you're not going to win an argument with God if you win the argument you're out of the will of God if you do something contrary to what he tells you to do you're not right with him and so I get up in the pulpit and I make the announcement that I'm supposed to preach that banner right there and my mind got to racing about the second half of the verse. The verse says, because the days are evil. 
And everybody here would agree from the youngest that can understand what's going on to the oldest person in the building. We are living in evil days. Everybody here knows if you just watch five minutes of news, if you just get the, the notifications on your phone, if you just listen to what they're talking about down here at the Hardys, the, the old men are talking about down here at the Hardys, you'll realize that we are living in evil days. We are living in the times of wickedness and violence. The Bible says as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it also be in the coming of the Son of Man as it was in the days of Lot. So shall it also be in the coming of the Son of Man. How was it in the days of Noah? They were eating, they were drinking, they were marrying, they were giving in marriage and they cared not about the things of God. The Bible says in Genesis chapter number six in Noah's day that man's heart was only evil continually and, and it had made God sick and God says I'm gonna destroy every man, every beast, every creeping thing, every fowler therefore it repenteth me that I have made them. Man is wicked, man is vile and we have come full circle to this day of living in the same days that Noah was in. How was it in the days of Lot? God destroyed two cities because of the sin of sodomy. And they're trying to push that garbage down our kids' throat. They're trying to push that abomination down our throat. This transgenderism and, and all the stuff that's going on on TV and all the stuff that's going on at wherever it is you live and all you, the people down at Walmart acting like that we're just supposed to accept that and we're supposed to uh, just condone that and say that's okay, but God has called it an abomination. And if it was an abomination when God first said it, it's still an abomination today. God has has not changed his mind and we are living in the days of Lot and the days of Noah simultaneously in this day in which you and I live evil wicked days and I've made this statement here before preach I'm Baptist from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet I'm not saved because I'm a Baptist but I believe we line up as close to the doctrines of that Bible as anybody else does. That's why I'm a Baptist. If I found a denomination that lined up closer to this book you hold in your hand, that's what I'd be. But right now, I'm convinced that Baptists hold to the doctrines of the Bible. I'm convinced that Bible that Baptists hold to the doctrines of the blood and, and salvation and once saved, always saved and eternal security. I'm convinced that Baptist people line up as close to the Bible. That's why I'm a Baptist. But I know I'm not saved because I'm a Baptist. And I'm not so naive as to believe there's only going to be Baptists in heaven. I'm not that convinced, preacher, because I don't believe most of them's going. But somehow or another in my 30 years of preaching, I'm convinced that Baptist people have their head in the sand when it comes to how evil and how wicked and how vile this world is. Somehow or another, Baptist preachers in our day, and I, and I call it pharisaical preaching, preacher, they're trying to put people on the highway to holiness before they ever get them on the road to regeneration or salvation street. I'm convinced that we're trying to clean them up on the outside long before there's ever a change on the inside. 
And Baptist people, I believe, are turning a blind eye to how wicked and how vile and how corrupt society is, how corrupt this world is, how corrupt even the lifestyles of individuals are. And friend, God has said it is sin and we are living in these evil days. And somehow or another, I believe Baptist people are thinking this evilness and wickedness and vileness and corruptness has somehow or another snuck up on God. Somehow or another, it's taken God by surprise. I mean, we're, we ask the question, can you believe such and such did that? We'll go ahead and use the president for an example. Can you believe he did that? Yes, I believe he did that. He's a lost man. He's doing what lost people do. It hadn't took God by surprise. It hadn't snuck up on God. God says there's going to be wars and rumors of wars. He said there's going to be disease. There's going to be pestilence. There's going to be perilous times. He said, but when you see these things approaching, look up, lift up your head, for your redemption draweth nigh. It's going to be the worst of the worst times when God splits the eastern sky, when we hear the trump of God sound. It's going to be the worst of the worst times, and God's going to come back and snatch us all up out of that. But because the days are evil, it's affected how you and I walk in this world. These verses, four times, the word walk is mentioned. I believe it's verse number two. Walk in love, or walk circumspectly, I believe it is, and Verse number 8, I believe the word walk is used again. Verse number 15, it's used again. Chapter number 4, the end of chapter number 4, the word walk is used there. God wants us to walk. We are in this world, but we're, we are in this world, but we're not of this world. We're to walk in this world telling the story that Jesus saves. We're to walk as Christians. I don't have to act like a Christian in my walk. I have to be a Christian. When you act, you're being something that you're not. But if you are a Christian, you don't have to act like a Christian. Just be a Christian and walk in this world and tell this lost and dying world there's a heaven to gain and a hell to shut but because the days are evil somehow or another the sodomites walked out of the closet and God's people walked in and somehow or another we got this idea that we're to tuck tail and run but I'm glad greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I'm glad that I can walk through this world. I'm glad that I got the power of the Holy Ghost. I'm glad that I got the power of God, preacher, and we can stand and we can proclaim what thus saith the word of God and we can know that what we're telling this world is right because our walk is right. But because the days are evil, somehow or another, it's affected our walk. Because the days are evil, it's affected our work. I don't know about Methodists. I don't know about Presbyterians. I don't know about Church of God. I don't know about Catholics. I don't know about Nazarenes. I, I don't know about any of those other denominations. But I do know about us Baptists. I've been Baptist nine months before I was ever born. And we Baptist people have a real good habit of sitting on our stool of do nothing. And we sing our favorite song, I shall not be moved. When the Bible is clear, we're to work because the night's coming. 
We're to work because the days are evil. We're to work because there's a lost and dying world going. We don't work to be saved. We work because we are saved. God has told us of a work we have to do. And most people put the work on the shoulders of the preacher. Well, the preacher will do it. And I know most of us throw up the excuse, I'm not a preacher, I'm not a missionary, I'm not an evangelist. What can I do? You can tell what God has done for you. You got a testimony, how that you was lost in sin, how that you realized you was lost in sin, how the God of heaven came to where you were, drew you to himself, and you confessed your sins. You repented of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, and you asked the Lord to come into your heart and save you. That's the best word you can give anybody in this day and hour, what God did for you. You'll meet people that the preacher will never run into. You got family that the preacher may never, ever, ever meet. He's got his work to do. And every one of us that's saved by the grace of God, we got our work to do. But because the days are evil, we're afraid of that four-letter word. We're afraid of working for God. Preacher, we got to go. We got there's a job. We got to be the salt and light. He has told us to be the message. He has told us to be that one voice crying in the wilderness. He has told us that if we don't cry out, the rocks are going to cry out. He has told us that we've got a job to do. We have a work to do. There's a lost and dying world that needs God, and it's your job and it's my job to tell them go out in the highways and hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be full. That's the job that we have to do. We're to work even though because the days are evil. But it's not only affected our walk and our work, but because the days are evil, it's affected our worship. We're afraid that somebody's going to classify us as a charismatic we're afraid we're going to be labeled as a holy roller. They done seen your car. They know you here. So you might as well go ahead and live up to their expectations and go ahead and praise the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, if you're going to worship me, ye must worship me in spirit and in truth. I'm glad my spirit bears witness with his spirit that I am a child of God. Nobody could have done for me what he done for me. Nobody could have died for me like he died for me. Nobody could have loved me like he loved me. Nobody could have saved me like he saved me. And he deserved every bit of my worship. He deserved every bit of my praise. And I just want to thank him for being so good to us. I have the spirit of God living down inside of me I have the truth of God in the 66 books that he has given me I know how I'm supposed to worship I know how I'm supposed to work I know how I'm supposed to walk because God has given me the instruction and the direction even though because the days are evil we got a lot to do There's a job for every one of us to do. And you'll be more effective in the job God's called you to do if you start off the day worshiping Him. Let's get to the first half of the verse. I got a smooth five, six minutes before lunchtime. Y'all gonna be looking at your watch. You just checked it. I know you did. But the Bible says redeeming the time. 
Preacher, I'm 52 years old. Going on 53. And I know that according to the Bible, we don't have long left. The day of the Lord's approaching. He's going to come back as that thief in the night. A thief's not going to send you a letter to tell you I'm going to rob you such and such time. He's just going to come back and take all your stuff when you're least expecting it. But because we only have a few minutes left, a few days left, maybe just a few hours left, preacher, I want to give every bit of time that I have left for the cause of Christ. I know that I can't do it in my own strength. I know that I can't do it in my own power because my flesh wants to walk away from God. My carnality wants me to disobey God. My, my, my inner man, the, the man that, that this outer man wants to just disobey God, walk away from God. But I'm glad that that inner man tells me, hey, you feed me, you worship me. I'll give you the strength to conquer that outer man. I'll give you the strength to do the job that God has called us to do. And because I know we only have a few days left, I want to give all my time. I want to redeem my time, preacher, for the cause of Christ. Number one, I want to redeem my time just being faithful. Just being faithful. That's lacking in our movement. And I call it a movement. That's a weak word. But in in our denomination, preacher, faithfulness is lacking. COVID proved just how weak we were. COVID proved just how weak the body of Christ really is. But before I put my feet on the ground every morning, I want to ask the Lord, Lord, don't let me be a statistic today. Don't let me be a used to be or a has been. Don't let me fall. God, I need your help just to be faithful. I'm going to drop something on you. God's never called me and asked me to die for him. In my 52 years of living, preacher, God has never physically asked me to die for him. Now, I know what the Bible says. Paul said, I'm to die to self. I'm to die to the flesh. I'm to die to the lust and the things of this world. I know that. I understand that. But as far as physically, God has never asked me to die for him. Now, I ought to be willing if the, the hour of persecution comes and they hold a gun to my head and say renounce the cause of Christ or perish I'll say just go ahead and pull the trigger threaten me with heaven I'm ready to go that ought to be my attitude ready to die for the cause of Christ but up until now this point in my life God has never asked me to physically die for him and I dare say unless you've been in a foreign field somewhere where, where the persecution's running rapid probably nobody in here God's ever asked you to die for him either but over and over and over and over and over and over and over again in our Bible, God asks us every day to live for him. It's required of a steward. The Bible says that a man be found faithful. We ought to be faithful in our walk. We ought to be faithful in our work. We ought to be faithful in our worship. God has called us to do those things. And I don't understand how little old minuscule, carnal, uh, fleshly me can expect God, a thrice holy God, to be faithful to me 365 days a year, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, preacher. I've almost got to the place where I expect God to be faithful to me no matter how I am. I could be in or out. Up or down, hot or cold, glad or mad, 
just hit or miss. I could be any of those things. And on my worst days, I'm still expecting God. Am I the only one? It's almost like we demand the faithfulness of God. When it's reversed, God demands the faithfulness of me. He's promised he's going to be faithful. And we serve a God that cannot lie. He has promised he's going to be faithful. And I'm glad he is because in days that I'm hit or miss, that I'm miss and I'm sad and I'm bad, I'm glad he's still faithful. But I ought to expect the same from myself. I ought to expect the same from me to just be faithful to the cause of Christ. Because the days are evil, that ought to make every one of us want to be more faithful to him. Number two, I don't want to, want to redeem my time being faithful because the days are evil, but number two, I want to redeem my time being joyful. This pops, this pops most of us right in the mouth. I think I, met, I, think I slipped up this morning. I, I honestly slipped up. But about seven years ago, preacher, I determined in my heart, I made a promise to myself that I was not going to walk in a Baptist church and ask anybody the loaded question, how are you doing? I think I might have slipped up and asked you this morning. I didn't mean to. I promise you I did not mean to. Because Baptist people is ready to put that dump truck of misery and woe in reverse and you're going to hear beep, 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 beep and they're about ready to hit the dump button and they're about ready to dump it all over you. How bad it was last week, how bad it is this week, how much more worse it's going to be next week and next month and next year. Friend, Baptist people is real good on throwing the gloom, despair and agony on me. I messed up just a few weeks ago. This older lady coming to the building she said young man good to see you how are you doing and I said ma'am I'm doing great how are and she heard the rest of it I didn't even say it and here it comes <laughs> beep 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 and honestly my ADD and I'm not making fun of ADD but my ADD wouldn't, stand, wouldn't let me stand there and listen to her very long. I started seeing flying squirrels. I started seeing leaves blowing, and we were inside. I mean, I started seeing everything. After about six or eight minutes, preacher, I just had to stop her. I said, I'm sorry, ma'am. Were you talking to me? That's a loaded question. Because Baptist people want to tell you how bad it is on the job. And I understand that it can be. They want to tell you how bad it is at home. And I understand how it can be. They want to tell you how bad it is physically. They want to tell you how bad it is mentally. They want to tell you how bad it is politically. They want to tell you how bad it is geographically. They want to tell you how bad it is financially. And I know we all have woes in those areas. And they want to tell you how bad their bunions are. They want to tell you how bad their dog and their cat is. They want to tell you how bad their sports teams is. They want to just dump it all on you. But in reality... To the lost man. In my life, preacher, it really don't matter how bad it is around me circumstantially. 
It don't matter how bad it is mentally. It doesn't matter how bad it is physically. It doesn't matter how bad it is financially. It don't matter how bad it is at the job. How bad it is at the house. It don't matter how bad it is my bunions are. It doesn't matter how bad my dog and cat are. It don't matter even how bad my sports team is. God is still good. No matter what's going on around me, God is good all the time. And that lost man ought to know it really don't matter how bad it is in this world. There's a God in heaven that just with one um, minute of his time, one second of his time can cure all the ills that's going on in your life and mine and theirs. We ought to let this world know with the spring in our step and the song in our heart that the joy of the Lord is our strength because it's going to get worse. And we could sing the blues anytime, day or night, but God is good. No matter how bad I'm singing the blues, the faithfulness of God is wonderful. No matter how bad it is, we're singing our sad song. God is good. And we ought to let this world know I got the joy of the Lord down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart. Because God's good. Because the days are evil. I want to redeem my time being faithful. I want to redeem my time being joyful. Number three, I want to redeem my time being fruitful. Not one person in the building is taking your 401k to heaven with you. You're not taking the houses, the land, the cars, the boats, the motorcycles, none of it. And there's nothing wrong with having any of that. And if you don't want it, you're feeling good about it, I'll take it. There's nothing wrong with any of that. You can have the stuff just so the stuff don't have you. But I have yet to see a U-Haul behind a hearse. One old man asked his wife, said, Honey, when I die, put all my savings in my casket. I'm taking it with me. She did in the form of a check. We're not taking it with us, preacher. No matter how much we think heaven needs our junk, our stuff, we're not taking it with us. But what you can take is that little baby right there. What you can take is that little fella right there. What I can take, preacher, is my two-year-old grandson. That's as wild as a buck. What I can take is my one-year-old granddaughter. What I can take, if the Lord don't come out, is my, is my grandbaby girl that my, my daughter's expecting now. What I can take is that little girl right there. What I can take is that little red-headed, bow, red-headed uh, red-bowed little girl right there. I can take all of them to heaven with me. I can make sure that my son, son-in-law, and my daughter's pouring Christ into them. I can make sure today that you know that the gospel is the death and the burial and the resurrection and salvation is of the Lord and salvation is Jesus Christ. That little girl looking at me right there, I can take her with me. Preacher, we can take our family. We can take our friends' families. We can take our friends because we can give them the gospel. I want to be fruitful in these last days because the days are evil. We had a preacher friend who was Pentecostal. His church was called the Tabernacle of Love. It was right across the street from where my in-laws live. I mean, you back, pull out of their driveway, you're looking at the tabernacle love. Looks like an airplane hangar right there across the street. Brother Lucky was a joy, a light in our community. He died a couple years ago. 
I asked him one time, I said, Brother Lucky, how'd you get the nickname Lucky? He said, it's not my nickname. It's my birth certificate name. I said, really? I said, how in the world do they name you Lucky? He said, well, my mama fell down a flight of steps when she was expecting me. And my grandma looked at him and said, if that baby makes it, he'll be lucky. That's the truth. I promise you, that is the truth. My wife will vouch for it. That is the truth. Lucky believed salvation by grace through faith. He didn't know how long he could keep it. That was the only difference him and I had. But he believed in salvation by grace through faith. And Brother Lucky said he'd always stand in his pulpit Sunday mornings, Sunday nights, Wednesday nights at the beginning of the service. He'd make this statement. I'm saved. I'm happy about it. And I want to take a busload of people with me when I go. That's what Brother Lucky said every service. Finally, after about a year and a half of him saying that, preacher, he said one evening, Sunday evening, Wednesday evening, I don't remember. He said, after I done made my opening statement, this older lady in the back raises her hand. And I said, yes, ma'am, what's on your heart? And she said, Brother Lucky, I'm glad that you saved, and I'm glad that you're happy about it, but why are you just limiting yourself to a busload? She said, the biggest bus I've ever been on only carries 55 people. She said, why don't you say you saved and you happy about it and you want to carry a train load of people as far as the eye could see on the track. You want to carry a train load of people with you. Brother Lucky said, the next time I got in my pulpit, I said, I'm saved and I'm happy about it and I want to carry a train load of people with me when I go to heaven. That ought to be our attitude. We ought to want everybody to go to heaven with us. Hell was made for the devil and his angels. It wasn't made for us. It wasn't made for your family. But if they reject God, that's where they'll go. Now's the day to be that light, to be that salt. Because the days are evil. Number four, and I'm done. Macy, come on to the piano. Because the days are evil. Number four, I want to redeem my time being watchful. Being watchful. For in such an hour as you think not, the Son of Man cometh. In the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, the Bible says the trump of God is going to sound. The dead in Christ are going to rise first. Then we which alive remain going to be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. The next verse says, Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. The Lord, the only thing left on God's prophetic calendar, so to speak, is the rapture of the church. And I've heard it all my life. You believe in a little rapture? And they'll make this statement. The word rapture is not in the Bible. I said the word Bible is not in the Bible, but I believe Bible. That word caught up. We're going to be snatched away by force. Gravity is going to lose its power on the child of God one of these days, and we're going to meet him in the clouds, the rapture. Are you ready? There's nothing left for God to do. Everything you see going on in Israel, everything you see going on in Russia, everything you see going on in China, it all points to the coming of the Son of Man. He's coming soon. When I was a kid, I'll tell you this story, and we're going to go to that. When I was a kid, I had an older brother who's a year, I still have an older brother, a year older than I am. The first 13 years of my life, preacher, it was just me and my older brother, my mom and dad, but my mom had twin boys. 
13 years after I was born. Two separate families seem like. But the first 13 years, just about every day of my life, school season, summertime, we had boys at our house. Our basketball team would stay with us during basketball season. Our football team would stay with us during football season. Our, our baseball team would stay with us during, during baseball season. Just, just piled up in our house, stacked on our living room floor like cordwood. We had a big old field behind our house. We could throw baseball and, and, and hit baseball and throw football far as we wanted to throw. Had almost like a full-size field behind my house. My daddy built us a real nice basketball court, so we played basketball in the summertime and we get all hot and sweaty eight or ten boys at the house and we go, go all go in the house at the same time and I'd hear my mama as I led the pack ah, get outside y'all letting out all the air ain't no more water ain't no more tea ain't no more coke the refrigerator light still works don't open the door and check it no more ain't no more snacks y'all are driving me crazy Just bringing in all this dirt and trash and you stink get outside I thought for months and months and months my middle name was Ah! We play ball. We didn't have no street lights in our in our neighborhood. Our BB guns and 22 rifles made sure of that. We just didn't have none. So when it got dark around our house, if the moon wasn't putting off some light shining, it was pitch black dark like we used to call it. The way we quit playing ba- basketball preacher was somebody had to get hit in the face with a pass because they couldn't see the ball coming that's when we stopped we'd all get a drink of water out of the spigot drinking from the water hose and them boys all of a sudden all they all wanted to make a suggestion they said let's play hide and go seek and I'm thinking boys it's pitch black dark out here we got trees in our yard we got ditches in our yard y'all sure yeah 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 let's play hide and go seek Preacher, these boys had no idea where my mama's clothesline was. The four-inch round cast iron T-bar. Four inches up, two and a half inches wide, three lines that run to another four-inch pipe, two and a half inches across the top. If you didn't know when to duck just at the right time, you was going to go to the hospital either decapitated or almost decapitated. You was going to be getting stitches. They didn't have no idea when to duck or when to jump and duck, but I did in the pitch black dark. These boys had no idea where my daddy's. In the daytime, you could see it perfect because it was right beside our basketball court. But at nighttime, the A-frame shed that had three telephone poles holding it up on each side, just a little old short shed. Preaching them telephone poles in the pitch black dark, they'd just jump over in front of you and you'd face plant right into them. The tin on that shed come down to six foot we didn't have no codes to build by we just built tall as we could reach the ten came down to six foot so five foot eight guys like myself I could just run right under the shed not even duck or nothing but them six foot guys they's going to be cut either right here a little taller right here a little taller right here they's going to be going to the hospital getting stitches and a tetanus shot cause the ten was rusted they didn't know when to duck but I did They didn't know where our outside basement steps were. Cement block, eight-inch cement block, about eight steps down to the bottom outside. We didn't have no rails around them. Didn't have no warning lights. Didn't have nothing. If you took two steps off of our back porch, 
under our carport. You took two steps, one more step, and you turned. And if you didn't jump just right, you was gone. There's going to be fractures. There's going to be broken bones. There's going to be ambulances. There's going to be hospital visits. It's a wonder we never got sued for not having some kind of rail around our basement step, but we never did. These boys had no idea. I'm thinking, y'all sure you want to play? Yeah, let's play, let's play. So we'd start off with big taters. Big taters turned to little taters. And whoever had taters left was it. And that person was it was always asked, what's base? It's our house, our rules. It's the front porch, brick. Front porch, dark brown brick. You could run across the front of our house, preacher, right up next to the house. We didn't have no bushes, no shrubbery. Me and my brother hated trimming, so we just mowed it down with the lawnmower. Saved ourselves a lot of work. But you could be running from the back side of our house around the front, and you'd come up, and all of a sudden that porch would just come up out of nowhere, and it'd catch you about right there at the lower part of your sternum, and you started breathing like this. And somebody say, you need water? No, I need air. They didn't have no idea five steps and the landing. Some of you played this game. I could tell by the look on your face. But the person that was it said, if you touch the porch, any part of the porch, before you get tagged, you're not it the next round. So that person would sit down on the steps. The person that was it put his his head on the step behind him and you'd hear these words echoing throughout our whole neighborhood. One two and every time at three before we ever said the number three it didn't matter who it was it they jump up off the steps peeking wanting to see where everybody's going cheating what they's doing but they'd always cover up their cheating with this question what am I supposed to count to and honestly it seemed like some of them boys had done already run three or four or five miles down the road cause you could hear Echoing throughout our whole neighborhood, preacher, 8, 10, or 12 times. 50! 50! 50! I mean, from all over in every direction, you'd hear 50. And I guess he thought, well, I guess I need to count to 50. So he'd sit back down, and you'd hear it again. Echoing throughout the whole neighborhood. One, two, and about 46 seconds later, you'd hear 48! 49 and every time at 49 somebody hollers not ready and I'm thinking to myself what do you mean not ready it's pitch black dark just lay down he'll not see you don't give us away with your voice going his direction just lay down what do you mean not ready but the counter would always have a little grace and we'd hear 49 quarter Four nine half. Four nine three quarters. And here we go again. Not ready. Not ready. And I'm thinking, man, you've had a lifetime. Get ready. And finally, we'd hear these words. 50. Ready or not. Here I come. Somehow or another, by reading our Bible and understanding these end days, I believe the Lord's got to be about 48. I believe he's got to be about 49 and there may be somebody in this building who's hollering not ready 
you may have just hollered out, lost in your sin, not ready. And the Lord with his grace and mercy may be hollering back, 49 and a quarter, 49 and a half, and the whole time you're hollering, not ready, your mind, as a saved individual, probably just went to somebody who's hollering, not ready. You probably just thought about it. And in, the, in the middle of the night tonight, you'll think about somebody running in our clothesline or falling down in our basement steps, but your mind's going to go to somebody who's hollering, not ready. And I want to ask the question, if you're in this building right now, hollering, not ready, I want to know, why not? Why not? Salvation is available. Salvation is free. The gospel is given. The Lord has died for your sins. Don't stand there and holler not ready. And you hear the Lord say ready or not. Here I come. Because he's coming to get us. Whether you're ready or not, he's going to take us out of here. And because I know somebody that's hollering not ready, preacher, it makes me want to be more faithful. It makes me want to be more joyful. It makes me want to be more fruitful. And I want to let them know, get ready so you can be watchful. Don't let the evilness suck them up. Don't let the evilness drag them off into hell. Let them know they need to get ready. That person that you just thought about hollering, not ready, have you prayed for them? Redeeming the time, the Bible says. Because the days are evil. If you've hollered not ready in this building, if you're watching by live stream and you're not ready, get ready today. God wants to save you. Today is the day of salvation. The Bible's clear. It's appointed unto man once to die. After this, the judgment. That person you just hollered, that you just thought about hollering not ready, Here's an altar right here. Here's a, here's a remembrance card right here. Carry them to the Lord. Christian, because the days are evil, we've got a job to do. We've got a work to do. We're going to stand all over the building. Heads are bowed. The girls are going to come. They're going to sing an invitation song. If you need to come, you don't have to wait till they start singing. You can come right now. Redeeming our time because the days are evil. With heads bowed and eyes closed, would there be one in our midst right now that say, Preacher, I'm not saved. I'm one that just hollered, not ready. Would you raise your hand? I won't come to you. I won't even call your name. I probably don't even know your name. But I want to pray for you. Would there be a man or a woman, boy, girl? Just raise your hand. Say, preacher, pray for me. I'm not saved. Anybody all over the building? Preacher, I'm not saved. I'm not ready. Young man, I see that hand. Would there be anybody else? Say, preacher, I'm one that's hollering, not ready. The Lord's giving you a chance. He's probably on 49 and a half. And I'm begging you, get ready. Would there be somebody else? We're not going to tarry, not going to linger. Would there be just one more person say, Preacher, pray for me. I'm not ready. I'm not saved. Anybody, anywhere. Lord, I want to thank you. Bless your name for being so good to us. 
God, thank you for the honesty of this young man raising his hand. God, I pray right now, as he's coming, thank the Lord. Somebody take the Bible. Show him how to be saved. Glory. Lord, we love you. God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for every bit of grace and mercy and patience and long-suffering and meekness and temperance that you give us. And God, no doubt a crowd this size, there's probably somebody else hollering, not ready. There's probably somebody standing there thinking, that's me, preacher. I'm not ready to meet him. God, I pray right now they make their way down this altar as these have. God, I pray that you touch each need on this altar right now. God, I pray that you meet each need. Touch each heart. Save that lost one that each person's praying for right now. Go to where they are. Draw them to yourself by the power of the Holy Ghost. And God, everything that's done, we want to be careful to give you every bit of praise and honor and glory because you are worthy. God, with an uplifted hand, I want to say thank you for the presence of God in this place today. God, thank you for not just showing up, but God, thank you for showing out, manifesting yourself. And God, right now, I pray that you'd have your way. Touch hearts and change lives as only you can do. God, help us to leave different than what we came in, better for the cause of Christ. And God, everything that's done, we're going to be careful to praise you. We're going to worship you today because you are worthy. Everything you do is good, and we're going to praise your name for your goodness toward us. Have your way, Lord. Hear the praise of your people. God, have your way. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. While they sing, if you need to come, if you want to just, just give the Lord praise, you help yourself. He's worthy. He is.